Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. He allowed me to see something. He said, we have to understand the nature of the war that we're in. He said, as a people, we don't really understand what is happening around us. And, and the only way that we'll be able to withstand is to come together. Because we are being attacked on every side. Every aspect of the world is designed to keep you from knowing who? Jesus. Every aspect. Not just some. Now it is every. Everything the world produces now is designed to keep you out of the kingdom. Designed to not only keep you from knowing God, but also if you slip up and find Jesus, then it's designed to keep you from knowing him correctly. Amen. And everything, everything, everything from your, your dinner table to your entertainment, everything from your doctor's office to, to your hospital visits, everything is designed to keep you away from the Lord. And he said in Ephesians chapter 6, if we would go to verse 10 this morning. He's pleading because he wants us to understand why he is doing this. And he said in Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll go to verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand, what? Against the wiles of your supervisor." Who are you standing against? Who is attacking you? He said, but if you're strong in the Lord and you put on the whole armor, you'll be able to withstand these attacks of the devil. Because he said, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, of course, but against what? Principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, in high places, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. We are living in the evil day. Can we say amen to that? The day is full of evil. But he said, look, I will give you this ability to stand and do all, and be victorious in it. But part of that standing is order. There's power in the order of God. He said, if your house, uh, uh, you put your house in order, I can live there. Do you see why the power comes with order? He said, if you stay within my order, I can be there. I can give you the power that it takes to withstand the devil. But if you consistently out of order, you're not, what, I, what, I, what can I do? What can I do? He said, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? He said, I can't even help you. If you in my face keep rebelling against me, if your, 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 your mindset is totally against what I'm trying to get you to do. I saw something that and I haven't seen in a while, and, 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 I, and I talked to the Lord about it, I, and he showed me something that I needed to see at the time I needed to see it. Uh, we had gotten, not away, but the emphasis had gotten uh, uh, put back on the back burner concerning the, the nature of the warfare and how the, the, how the enemy is attacking and what he's using. Because I, I, we have discovered over the years that people love what they would classify as hidden knowledge. And unfortunately, when you start getting the hidden knowledge, you make the hidden knowledge your religion. 
You make it what you worship. You stop there without getting what God is trying to get you to, to get. See, I've seen many people over the years. I mean, when I was 15, a few days ago, that, that uh, it was the hidden knowledge that attracted me. You know, about Jeremiah chapter 10. When I saw Jeremiah chapter 10 for the first time and it said, you know, the nature of a, the, the Christmas celebrations and all those things, and I looked at it and that excited me. That drew me in. I said, man, and then I started looking at the sanctuary service and I started looking at the prophecies and I said, man, this is hidden knowledge. This is fantastic. And I couldn't wait walking to school talking to brothers about this hidden knowledge. Mm -hmm. But he said, the problem is people worship the hidden knowledge. It becomes their calling card. Did you know that this was wrong? <laughs> Did you know that I am right? <laughs> it becomes that. And God says, there's a people that used to know this 30-something years ago are still there 30 years ago. They didn't get the foundational elements about order of life. They didn't find out how to live daily with Christ. All they knew was that this was wrong, this was wrong, this was wrong. You know how it is. We get the hidden knowledge about food, and then food becomes our religion. Food is an aspect of God's order. Amen? But it's only an aspect. It's not the religion. Now, now and also, prophecy is an aspect of God's order, but it's not the religion of God. We got that? And, and, and the study of, of the, 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 uh, 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 the Jewish system, the Jewish economy, is an aspect of religion, but it's not what? The order. It's part of God's order. All these things are part, but we tend to, to take this hidden knowledge and say, this is what I believe, and I'm going to tell the world, instead of learning how to live a godly life. See, it's good to have those aspects on a foundation of a godly life. So I said, Lord... We've been steering, you've been steering us away. He said, but I want you to see something. Because I, you, you, you're going to have to revisit it. And ready or not, here it comes. Our desire was to make sure that, that, that the people of God had the foundation, that understood the day-to-day -day contact with God and, and how to live with God day-to-day -day and all of their decisions and how to put the principles of God in their life and so it would guide them and the Spirit of God would be with them to lead them through all the, the wonderful times of life and sometimes the trials and tribulations in life. And so we, 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 we steered away from the hidden knowledge because we didn't want that to be your God. But he showed us something yesterday. I haven't seen... Uh, the Grammys in years. You know, the Grammy Awards. Mm -hmm. don't, don't sit there and act like you don't know what that is. Uh, you saw it last week. Uh, but uh, I saw something. There were several clips we saw, and I don't even know how I got to seeing it. That's how I know it was the Lord leading me, because I don't look at that stuff. I, don't, I ain't got time for YouTube stuff. You know, yes, Illuminati, ooh, okay. Well, well we knew that 35 years ago. I know, it's, I know it's new, supposedly, but okay. But what do you do with that information? That was always the question. But we saw something and how diabolical Satan is. And, and, and I, I remember an old tape we used to listen to when I was dating my wife, and she really thought something was wrong with me. You know, instead of us listening to, to Marvin Gaye or Barry White, I was listening to John Todd. You don't know who John Todd was. He was, I don't think he's alive now. He was an ex-witch. And then he would, he'd come out 
uh, under Christianity, and he was telling the secrets of the back and all that kind of stuff. He was part of something called the Council of Thirteen here in America, and he their only people they answered to was a uh, Rothschild uh, Rothschild Bruno in England. And so he was talking about some things, and he's talking about the music industry back then. This was in the 70s, and he was talking about uh, how uh, the only reason rock music was created was to, in order to cast spells on people they couldn't cast spells on normally. Because when you hear music, you just drop your, your, you know, your, all your mental uh, protection. And so I said, yeah, I remember those things. I remember those things, listening to those things. And then I saw something in the Grammys, and it was kind of amazing. I, I, I'd forgotten how far it had gotten, you know, uh, 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 how far uh, the progress of sat the Satan's building his kingdom had gotten. Because when I looked at what I saw, I said, man, this is remarkable. I can't believe that this is on television. This used to be in the Masonic temples. This used to be in the, uh, in the, in the witchcraft festivals in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the grove. This is on television. And people are just standing up ah, as the spell is being cast upon them. I mean, they don't even hide it anymore. This is so remarkable that they symbolize demons coming out of the earth on every side. And, and, and of course, you had to have the poles. You got to have pole dancers and anything, and, and because that's part of the ritual. And, and then the, the females and what they do uh, uh, with their, their bodies. And, and it's, I said, this is the norm of today. And then I saw the, the, the other clip that, that these people were married during the Grammys or something, that, you know, by, it was just, and they had the church steeples and they had just renounced Christianity and they just said that we don't need that God and all. And this was just a production on the Grammys. I said, well, Lord, I see what you wanted me to see. He said, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. Because if our people don't get in order, we won't be able to fight that order. They're in order. Amen? They're fighting their battle. We're out here questioning if God wants us to be in order or not. We're questioning God's order, period. God, I need an order. I just do what I want to do. They are very organized. And when I saw that, I said, okay, Lord, thank you. Thank you for putting that in our heads so we'll understand why what we're talking about today is extremely important. Nothing else is more important. Amen? All right, let's go, if we were to Matthew. Is that Matthew 16? We're going to find out how Christ set this church up, his church up. Amen? And we've got to find out what the church is and what the responsibility of the church is so we can find out what order we need to be in. I believe it's Matthew 16. Verse 16 it starts with, and Simon, Matthew 16, 16. It says, and Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Amen? Because the question was asked, what? Who, who do you say I am? Okay? And he said, and Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And then he makes this statement. He said, and I say unto, also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He was saying that the, the realization that Christ is the Son of the living God is what I'm founding my church on. And for my people to understand that is the basis of my church. 
He said, that's what my church is going to be built on, that, that the Father is in heaven, I am his son, and he said, for the revelations to come from heaven for my people is what the church is all about. We get that? And this is what the order is about. He said, first of all, this is my church. I don't have another church. I don't have it built on Allah. I don't have it built on secular humanism. I don't have it built, built on good deeds of somebody. My church is built on this foundation. I am the son of the living God. And the father reveals to his people his wishes through his spirit. That's my foundation. So there is no other foundation. And that is what the world calls hate speak. When you claim Jesus as your savior. When you say the only way to the Father is through him. When you say there's only one mediator between God and man and the man Jesus Christ. When you say that, they're going to say you are speaking hate. I want you to know something this morning. The prophecy concerning the Antichrist, the prophecy concerning this last effort, this one world religion is going to come on the wings of love. See, we old prophecy students have always looked toward the Roman Catholic Church and how the pointed hat man is going to be the Antichrist. Let me express something to you this morning. All you're seeing is the New Age uh, 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 emphasis of Catholicism being placed in front of you. You have to understand what Catholicism is. It's not Christianity. It never claimed to be Christianity. It is an amalgamation of Eastern religious and Babylonian uh, practices with the little Egyptian thrown in there. It's the new age of the old age. It's the old age coming to a new age, we should say. And so it's coming through that. It's coming on the word love. They have redefined it. What is love to us? God is love. They have redefined the word. That's why you have to have order. Because if you just start making up stuff, anything is possible. They say, you as Christians don't love, you hate because you have standards. And the standards are the biblical standards. They say, no, how can you serve a God that hates? Because they have redefined love. And when the re definition of love now has everything to do with your baser elements, your senses. That's all this is. That's why when you, that they want to do away with, that with what we classify as marriage, the Bible classifies as marriage, and says, no, love is what two people feel for each other. It doesn't matter what the people are. And you're loving people a dime a dozen. And all these things come down to the, the sensual nature of man, they, that this religion is going to be, is founded upon how you feel. And, and it's founded on uh, how how you are affected by others. All these things they have put in place and told you that was love. Everything that's being produced now is for your senses because they want you to always keep yourself down here. They never want you to look up. And so what do the, 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 the songs and the music talk about? The baser elements, right? We, okay, I know you don't listen to music, but some of you do. And so the, the songs are just incredibly crazy. Uh, this one lady, um, uh, yeah, thank you, that lady. <laughs> I know it was one of them, them temple people. Uh, uh, there's a line in her song that we listened, and it said, if you, if you want to play with magic, 
you better know what you're asking for. And, 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 and this was the lady I was watching on the video, and, and the demons were coming out of, of, of the, uh, uh, the floors and, and coming out of the thing, and her, a big red cross lit up on her chest. And, she, and then she had to go dance on a pole. That's part of it. And, uh, but it was all about that. And they were saying, here it is, y'all. This is what we are. And what do we Christians do? We argue that God has an order. They have an order. And they express their order. And they're getting everybody in order. What we have to understand is God wants us to get out of that order and get in his order. And so as we look at these things, we have to keep that in mind that it is as one that we will defeat this enemy. If you're not one with Christ, you can't be one with another. You think the church of Satan is one? You know, there's a church of Lucifer is the big one. Satan is just, you know, Satan is a biblical term, so they don't want to use that. Lucifer is what they worship. Please understand that. This is what they worship, and they worship Lucifer in love, in their definition of love. So we have to come together now. We've got to put the differences aside. We've got to come and be strong one with another so we can do this thing and, and be able to withstand. And not only for us, but those around us. What about our children? What about our loved ones who are being inundated and you have given them no protection? They get hit in the face every morning at daycare. They get hit in the face, don't they? What about at, at, in kindergarten? They're around heathens all the time. The whole system is heathen. The whole educational system is, is heathen. So what do you do? Are we at home at least counteracting it? Or are we just letting them go? That's why we have to get in order. Go to 1 Timothy. Are we ready to get in order? Yes. Because the gates of hell are here. And we'll make this statement. By God's grace, they will not prevail against us. Yes. Amen? But we have to get in the order so we can have the power God promised in his order. We're in 1 Timothy. God has a church, doesn't he? God has an organization if that helps you. And, and, and in 1 Timothy, we're going to go to chapter 3. He is talking to the brother. He said, look, man, I need you to do something. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3, we'll start at verse 14. He said, these things write I unto thee. Hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest what? Know how thou ought to behave thyself in the house of God. Amen? Amen? Which is the church of the living God and the pillar and ground of what? We get a kind of snapshot what the church is supposed to be. We also get a snapshot of how we ought to behave in the church. Not just in the services, but what? In the church. Amen? Amen? The church is supposed to be the pillar and ground of the truth. It is supposed to be what God can use to tell the world who he is. But if the church is out of order, the world will not get the call. The world will get all the gobbledygook and confusion that comes out of most churches. God says, look, I need you to do this. I need you to know how you ought to behave. What does that mean? Follow the order. Follow the rules. Did your parents have rules? Did you live by them? When you did not live by them, what happened? 
You, you moved out. You got beat. You got beat. <laughs> <laughs> Your parents, where did they get the idea of rules? From their parents. God set this thing up from generation to generation. Mm -hmm. Then Satan stepped in and said there is no rules because there's all love. You know, they have cold words like, uh, 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 um, we all just be able to just get along. And, and raising children, it's, oh, don't hurt their self-esteem. Let them express themselves. And they become expressing little demons. But those are the cold words that, that we need to really kind of start paying attention to. So when you hear parents say that, pray for them and say, Lord, where's the order? I don't care how much you care about your child, don't send them to hell. Because without the order, what's going to happen? The, see, we think that if we don't do nothing, do, oh Lord, if we don't do anything, then it's okay. Nothing is going to happen. When you have an active 24-7, 365 enemy who doesn't take any time off, you just don't do anything, the child gets swept a little further down the road. The, the stream just takes them down, and you're just saying, well, nothing is really happening. I really don't need a religion in the house because, you know, I believe this, my husband believes this, and, you know, we're going to let the children decide what they want to do. When they get old enough, they'll decide, you know, what church they want or what, what religion because they, they, they act like it is something like a club to join. Well, I'm going to be a Rotary Club member. <laughs> when my child grows up, he's going to be a Kiwanis. As if... You can just do that. God says this is a way of life, a life everlasting. You're acting like it's a club. It's a frat. You get to college, what frat am I going to join? This is, this is not that kind of party, people. And so your children don't need to be left to themselves. Matter of fact, the Bible says a son left to himself brings his mother to what? Shame. Guess what's happening now? There's some shameful mothers. And some fathers are just shaking their head. I missed it. I blew it. Lord, help us. Do we see why order is important? He said we have to know this. And the church's job is to have this order, to share this order with the world. First, you've got to have it in the church. Yes. Amen? Yes. And we warn the people today in Sabbath school and those who will be listening, we're going to warn you all. If you don't like this order God is setting up, you might want to find something else to do. And... He has brought us to a point where if we're down to five people who follow the order, God said, I can save with few. Amen. I remember when the brother was, had all these men coming, they were going to have this war. And he said, man, uh, the first thing, everybody afraid, go home. 90% left. <laughs> so we got some fearful and unbelieving. If you got to go home, I understand. Go home. How many did he end up with? 300. 300. And then what's beautiful about the 300? They didn't even have to fight. God said, I just wanted some dedicated people. Now let me do what I do. See, there was an old order. Let's go to Exodus. See, there was an old order. It's the same order in the modern or the New Testament church as it was in the Old Testament church. It's the same order, and God says, I need you to get back in that order, and I need you first to understand there is an order, and you need to respect the order that God has set up. We're in Exodus. 
I believe that's chapter 18. Exodus 18. We're going to start at verse 19. Exodus 18, verse 19. Moses had done what God asked him to do. He led a people where? Out of Egypt. But there was a need of order. They brought Egypt with them, and you got all these people, you got to have some rules and regulations. Because people will do whatever they feel like doing. Amen. And let me tell you something about the truth. It's not relative. It is a standard. And God set up a standard. He said this, 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 this. And if you argue with it, you get taken out. I wonder why he was so exact in his punishment back then. Because they were so Egyptian. They were so self-centered. They were so selfish that they said, well, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm not really care about what you, Lord. Did we read that Wednesday? Yeah, at the Bible study. When the, when the people in Jeremiah said, look, for what you and the word of the Lord say, we're going to not listen to you. We're going to do what we want to do. That's been the case all the time. And God says, I can't have a people with that mindset. They are going to be killed by my enemy. So there was order necessary. And when Exodus 18, starting in verse 19, it says, Hearken now unto my voice. I will give thee counsel. This was Moses' father-in-law. Was Moses a bad person? Moses was handpicked by who? The Savior. So Moses was doing all he knew as a general, as a leader. And, and, and his father-in-law, who being older, now his father-in-law hadn't been a general or uh, uh, walked in the courts of Egypt, but he had wisdom. His house was in order. And so he could share something. And that's one thing you got to understand. Your counsel is for naught if your house is not in order. You can't come and tell anybody anything when your life is crazy. Amen. It's hard for somebody to listen to a crazy person. Amen. And Moses saw this older man who had his life and everything was in order. He said, I can hear something from him. That's why your report has to be what? Good. You gotta have a good report. Just relax and listen sometimes. And this is what Moses, Moses was like, man, I got these million people. I got to see this because God said, look, man, uh, 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 Lord, you made me responsible for this. I, 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 I gotta make sure, because these people are crazy. I can't put nobody in charge of nothing. But he sent his father-in-law. Let's see what his father-in-law said. Be thou for, for the people, what? To Godward. You know what that means? Your job is to pray. Your job is to know the voice of God. Your job is to convey that voice to who? The people. He said, Moses, you do that. Because nobody else is called to do that. You do that. Then he did what? That thou mayest bring the causes unto God. He said, look, you, God knows these people, but don't you get in the... You, you're down there in the minutia. You're down there with... It, Susan stepped on my foot. You dealing with that? You can't do that. He said, look, and thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws and shall show them the way wherein they must walk and the work that they must do. Did Moses do that? Amen. And he said, moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people what type of men? Able men. Now, his, this is what made them able. Such as fear God, men of truth, hating what? Why is hating covetous even mentioned? Because when you covet, you will, uh, uh, you will compromise principle for a piece of bread, 
a man will sell his soul if he's covetous. He said, I, we can't have that in leadership roles in this camp. We can't have people who have respect of persons in this camp. We have to have the standard withheld even from the rich and the poor. They must live up to that standard. And they can't have anybody swaying because that's my friend. Oh, it's all right. It's all right. You know, you know they're they all right. It, it, we can do that. No. If the standard is this, the standard is always that. And this is what was important for these men to, to be uh, 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 guilty of. Men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and what? Rulers of tens. So there was an order. There was a, 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 you got this, you got this, you got this, and you got this. But not in the pure pyramidal sense, is it? It was always positions of responsibility. There was an order. He said, they had to be responsible. Moses was the one who had, they, he got the, 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 the big ones. They would come to him and say, Moses, we're having a problem in section C. Uh, everybody over here is an alcoholic. And so Moses said, hey, the Lord said this. And so they went back and dealt with that, right? But there were people who people had to answer to. Please know that. I know we're afraid of that. You're afraid of that in the church. You're not afraid at, at a job, are you? Everybody in here has to answer somebody at work, don't they? You think that's evil, don't you? That's because a lot of people who feel that way never been in charge of anything. You just can't let people just go anywhere and do anything. You, you never get nothing done. Has anybody experienced that? Let me tell you something. When you manage people, I'd rather manage chickens. Because chickens only have about four things they do. And so you can handle that. People do anything. People will call you five minutes before they're supposed to be at work. I'll be late. Really? <laughs> you knew you were going to be late. Oh, yeah, they'll call you five minutes after they're supposed to punch in. I'm going to be late. Well, we all knew that. But there's order. There has to be a rule for that. What's the rule? Well, look. You got X amount of times you can do that, and you got to go. And people are always surprised when they get fired. <laughs> you know, you have been late 13 times in 30 days. <laughs> you signed a doc. That's why we have things called uh, 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 employee handbooks that you have to have a session with the HR person and say, look, here are the rules you're going to be held to. So. I'm sorry, they're the standards. You don't have to work here. Oh, yeah, it's a good job. You break five of the rules a day, you know, after six months, and they got to let you go. And you get mad. Well, look, God has rules, doesn't he? And you, you ought to thank Jesus, and I thank Jesus. He doesn't fire us. Because we'd be gone. Every morning we wake up fired. But God is, is a wonderful, gracious God. We've got to learn this thing. Amen? So look, he set them up. He set the order up. He set the, look, the levels of responsibility. And so we, we, we have that as a what? Pattern. As a standard. Now let's go, if we, let's go to Ephesians now. 
and God broke it down for us in, this, in, the, in the New Testament age. He, he said, look, this is what I could do back then with Moses. I'm going to use the same principles, but I'm going to put some names on some of this stuff so you can understand that this is an organization and not just helter-skelter and a one-man show. Amen? Ephesians chapter 4. And we'll start at verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Would it scare you if I told you we're only about a tenth of a way through this study? Uh, yes, oh man, I got to go. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he said, and he gave some what? Apostles. And some prophets. And some evangelists. And some pastors and teachers. For what? For the perfecting of the saints. First of all, the order is for the perfecting of you. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. I mean, it's not for somebody to puff themselves up. It's not for somebody who tried to, to, to try to get a position or try to be recognized as something. It's for the perfecting of the saints. Order is always for that. Godly order. Now let's keep reading. For the work of the ministry, how are you going to get something done when everybody's on a different page? Well, I think we ought to do it this way. Well, I don't like him, so I'm not going to do that. Well, I don't like her. She's crazy. And then what? Nothing is done. But the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Yes, order is for the edification of all of us. We must fall into the discipline of God. We have to. And we were expressing this morning that most people that even coming through this door have a rebellious nature about them because it, would, it takes that kind of unction to leave everything that God, the, word sit, the world says or the churches say and come into a place like this. It takes a special kind of person to do that, doesn't it, people? Y'all been kicked out of more churches? You have left more churches? Why? I'm just, you know, this ain't for me. And some people say, well, this isn't the truth. I've got to go find the truth somewhere. Amen. And when I find the truth there, I'm going to be in order. Now, we didn't say the second part. We just said we want to find the truth. But part of the truth is order. Amen. Amen? Does order have anything to do with your personality clashing with someone else's? You think everybody loved Moses? No. Most of them couldn't stand him. His brother and sister had a problem with him. Why? Because they wanted the secret. Anything new under the sun? Now let's go to verse 13. He said, Till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He said, All this I'm putting together is for that purpose. Verse 14, That we henceforth be no more children, but tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, without order, this is going to be chaos. And cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to what? Deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. This whole body, collective body, this whole order, God says, I just want you to be like me. And this is one of the tools I'm giving you to do that. Just be like Christ. Be like him. This is what this is all about. 
So we find out what the church is supposed to be. And it, it can't be what it's supposed to be until it comes into God's order. He said, I gave apostles, pastors, teachers. I gave all this for the edifying of the body so it can grow into the fullness of Christ so it can be that representative of God on earth. Amen? Amen. Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12. And here's an element that we must understand. I know some of you think this is ABC stuff. Oh, it's the foundational principles that if we don't have it, we're not going anywhere. Amen. First Corinthians. Don't worry. We'll get down the line and start talking about uh, exciting stuff. You know, I'll show you some videos and, you know, some, some hidden knowledge. And everybody, ooh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> oh, but that hidden knowledge, you'll be, you'll be taken away. You know, as you stand before these pictures and these videos without the protection of the Lord, what's happening to you? You think it's, you're absorbing the hidden knowledge. You're absorbing what they're putting out. These spells that are being cast upon you. You have no idea why that is where that is. You have no idea why that block in this thing you're watching, why that sign is right there, why that candlestick is right there, why that, that goat head is right there. You didn't see the goat head because you, you're so busy looking at the lady with no clothes on. But you have no idea what's being done to you. And so that's why we try to deter, deter people from looking at stuff until you understand what you're doing. Because you're going to be changed. I can't believe they doing that. And let me spend five hours in front of it and see if something's going to change. And you don't know you're being mesmerized. You don't know the spell is being cast on you. And you don't know after several weeks, several months, you start acting strange. Your mindset is a little different. You say, well, I don't know about this Jesus. Because what it will take you to is another realm of spirit. And, and you say, oh, man, that, yeah, that's spiritual. And then your, def your definition changes. We're looking for righteousness. We're not looking for spirit, spiritual. Righteous spirit is what we're looking for. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let's start at verse 4. God said, now there are diversities of gifts. Amen? Amen. But the same what? Spirit. Church, we need to understand something. This thing is run by the spirit. His spirit. Amen? The eternal spirit. The Holy Spirit. It is the one that teaches us the order. He said, and there are differences of ministrations, right? But what? The same Lord. And the, there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by what? The Spirit, the word of wisdom. Oh, so if you're trying to qualify yourself for something, you, you're going about it wrong. Because only the Spirit can give you these things of God. Amen? So he said, first, by the uh, spirit, the word of wisdom. To another, the word of what? Knowledge. By the same spirit. See, there's a difference between knowledge and spirit. I mean, knowledge and wisdom. Please know that. Some people excel in knowledge, which is a good thing. Amen? But you better hope you got somebody that excels in wisdom next to you. Because all that data is going to be in trouble without knowing how to put it together. Amen? So God says, I give some people knowledge. There's some people who are good at that, who are getting those inf that information, who are doing that study. It's, they're good at that. But th I give somebody else the spirit of wisdom. 
so they can do what wisdom does. Amen? But if wisdom is over here and knowledge is over here, neither one of them can be effective by themselves. Let's keep reading. He said, uh, uh, to, verse 9, to another faith by the same spirit. You need someone who is strong in what? Faith. Keep reading. He said, to another faith by the same spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit. Oh, I know a bunch of folks want that one. But only God can give it to you. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits. To another diverse kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as what? He will. Who is he? The spirit will. So who sets up the order? Who calls the people? God does. And we know it's God when it all works together. And it works for the edifying of the body. Not the praising of man, but the edifying of the body. Amen? Yeah. Verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. And God has set some in the church, what? First, apostles. Secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles. Then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversity of tongues. See how it is? It's a structure. It's an organization. Anybody want to know why apostle was first? Somebody's got to share the news. Somebody's got to get the news from heaven and tell you. Amen? They say, hey, man, here it is. And all the way down here were miracles. We want to be that first, right? We want to be one. I need to give them miracles. I can make, I don't know, what kind of miracle would you like to do? Yeah, you want to raise the dead without hearing from the apostle. You want to heal the sick without hearing a word from the Lord. Do you see how his order is perfect? And, and let's keep going. Verse 29, I'm sorry. I, I did skip, I apologize. Uh, verse 29, all, are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Have all the gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a what? See, there's an excellent way. See, everybody can't be this. The more excellent way is you have this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, sets it up and gives it power. Are we okay with God's got an order? Are you upset that God has an order? Do you, are you upset that you can't do what you feel like doing? Anytime you feel like doing it. You're going to respect the order. Acts chapter 6. This is another way he set things in order. Oh, we got to see this. We got to know this. Because when, 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 when God sets this thing in order and you get out of order, you're going to be in trouble. I, I, I wrestled with this, as we say down south, wrestle. I struggled with this, teaching this, because I, 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 I knew 
what might be taken from it. God said, if you don't teach this, you have not done what I ask you to do. He said, you need to tell them my order. Let the chips fall where they may. Tell them the order. And don't worry about it. So pray for me. Acts chapter 6. Starting at verse 1. We read a couple of these in Sabbath school. But let's start at verse 1. And in these days, when the number of the disciples were multiplied, that meant what? Church was growing. People were coming in. People were hearing the truth. People were hearing the word of God because the Holy Spirit had been working through those appointed men. And, and they were coming by, by tens and hundreds. And it's the disciples, the ones who were really dedicated, that number started growing. And there arose a murmuring. No. Now look what the murmuring was. There arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Why? Because their widows were neglected in the daily administration. I mean, ministration. There's always somebody murmuring, isn't it? Because they don't think they're getting what they deserve. Now, let's make sure we understand that point. What happened to Israel when they murmured and complained? They got sick as they died. You think that's going to change? Don't murmur against the order. He said, then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. He said, Man, our job is to do what Moses did, to be Godward for the people, to, to listen to God and hear the, 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 the important matters of the group. He said, We can't leave that job and to do this job. And he, they, they, they said, serve tables. Remember what the murmuring was about? was about the administration of money and, and, and taking care of these people. And the Grecians who came in, the church, and the Hebrews who came in the church, there's always that problem. We were the original ones. You know, we're Hebrews. You guys are heathens. How come, you know, we're not getting the same treatment? All that kind of stuff. That happens in a church all the time. But God says, look, I don't need my apostles Dealing with that. Why? Because we got other things to do. Amen? The bigger picture. See, everybody's not big picture. And that's okay. But those who have to be big picture, they need to be big picture. Those who are working on the important aspects of administration need to work on that too. Amen? Amen. Neither one has a more important job than the other. But they both are jobs that's specific to their calling. Amen? He said, wherefore, brethren, verse 3, Look out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over what? This business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So there is what? Jobs. Work to do based on the calling of God. But everybody who is in this work must have these, these things. Have an honest report, be full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. And, 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 and they have to be these type of people. We got that? Go to Exodus 31. We're trying to get through this, but this is something, if I hope that if you, you can't stay awake, that you listen, or you, there's something you can't watch on YouTube, is this. Okay? So if you've got to revisit some things, revisit them. But Exodus 31. If you want to work in the order of God, you've got to be filled with his spirit. Verse 1 says in 31 of Exodus, 
And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called. Moses didn't choose these people, did he? I have called by name Bezaliel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of what? Judah. And this is the first thing he told him about this guy. He said, and I have filled him with what? The Spirit of God. See, that's when you know it's going to work. When no one is trying to jockey for anything. No one is trying to get a spot. No one is trying to get accolades. They just got the Spirit of God in them, and everything is working perfectly. I have seen that maybe seven times in my life. That, man, when these people get together, it is a beautiful experience. It is so beautiful. It is so wonderful. I remember, Brother Harold, we were putting, hanging sheetrock in cabins and uh, to just do a, an event. And uh, you were there. And, and it was just beautiful. Nobody cared who had to carry the sheetrock upstairs. No one cared who, who had the screws or the hammers. We just all working together. I, we, one brother would see a brother who, who needed a nail. Before he could ask for a nail, there was a sack of nails in his hand. Why? Because it wasn't important who nailed. It wasn't important who carried the sheetrock. It wasn't important who taped and mudded. It was just like it needed to get done, and whatever, Father, I can do. If I was a sheetrock man five minutes ago and the man needed a screw, pick the screw up, man. Don't say, well, I'm the sheetrock person. It was so beautiful. And what topped it off, Brother Chris, is we were just singing hymns. And these, I'm talking, guys, y'all thought y'all were tough. Man, these were some rough dudes. And they, we drove two and a half hours to do this work. And it was 100 degrees in that house. But we all worked together because everyone was equal. And the only thing we worried about was getting that work done. That's when you know when the Spirit of God is present. Can we have a church like that? We're going to 31. No, let's go to Titus 1. Yeah, we're in Exodus 31. But he said, look, he said, I filled him with wisdom and an understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. That's something else that's wonderful about God. He chooses people that's got some talent. That's why we got to get some skills. Amen? Amen? One thing is to volunteer. One thing is to be able. When you call and say, yeah, I'll help you and you don't have any skill at all. Well, good. There's a place for you, isn't it? In the work to sit and learn something. Yeah. That's called in, I mean, what, apprenticeship. That's called discipleship. Do that. And be, it's okay. Young people, it's okay you don't know nothing. What do you mean? I know everything. No, no you don't. <laughs> Old people, it's okay to teach the young people, isn't it? Look at nobody. I know because they don't know where they fit. Somebody, I'm not old. I'm not young. I'm a, who, who am I? Who did tell me? I'm still look. <laughs> when you're 80, you can be young. It really has nothing to do with the calendar. It has a lot to do with how much you've given yourself to the Lord and how much the Lord has used you. Okay, so y'all can relax now. You can be 22 and old. It's very rare. Because you just hadn't been around long enough. But it's okay. So God says, look, I needed to work together and let my spirit be in each and every one of you, and it will be placed in the right place. Let's go to Titus 1. 
Now here's the order. We're going to have to cut it short. We have to do part three. Because it's hot. We don't have the air on. And y'all fading fast. Let's go to Titus chapter one. And let's read verse five. Brother was trying to put some things in order. He said, for this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest do what? Set in order the things that are wanting. See, order is something that is wanting in the church. And this is what he is trying to set up. He said, and this is where I'm going to start. I said, I want to ordain what? Elders in every city as I have appointed thee. Elders. What's an elder? He said, actually, the word means among the Christians, it was those that presided over the assemblies of churches. It uses the term bishop, elders, and presbyters interchangeably in the New Testament. So when you see the word elder, it's a leader. It's an older leader most of the time. And, and, and when you see bishop, now we're going to see this in Titus. Let's keep going in Titus chapter, uh, chapter 1. Let's go to verse 6. He said, I need you to set some elders over this. I need you to set somebody to say be on order. Amen? In verse 6 of Titus 1, it says, If any be blameless, this is who they're looking for, okay? The husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. For a bishop, now look, he it, it looked like he changed titles, but he didn't, because he said, I need you to set elders, and he said, let me tell you about a bishop. This is what I'm talking about, amen? So he said, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God. Not self-willed. That's so important. Not soon angry. You can't have a hot-head leader. And, and he said, not given to wine. Why? What are you giving to wine? What does that mean? A drunk. A drunk. <laughs> well, let's just make it plain. Uh, he can't be a winehead. Why? Because when you drink alcohol, what happens to you? Your resistance to evil is down, and you're subject to do anything based on your feelings now. A leader can't do that, amen? Nor striker, nor given to what? Filthy looker. Well, we, we don't have that issue. But when a church grows, we need to understand that the bishop needs not to be preaching for money. See, you know how a man preaches for money? He goes to the rich people and tells them what they want to hear. Oh, well, you on your, yeah, I know, you, you like, to, you like your, your crown royal, uh, uh, brother, uh, but, you know, and, and, and I, I know you tip a little bit around with these young girls, but, you know, you know the Lord says you under grace. Give me a check. Because the people are just looking for some kind of salvation, some kind of permission to be a sinner. And so uh, the, the man who preaches for Luca will give them the permission, won't they? I heard a man say, I was Usher's spiritual covering. Not me. I'm talking about, the, I heard somebody else say that. Because they, the poor little guy just wanted somebody to say it was okay to be a sinner. And the bigger the checkbook, the more they're going to hear that sermon. Amen? That's why he said, I don't need anybody like that as a leader of my church. Let's keep reading. He has to be what? A lover of hospitality. Not just hospitable. He's got to love it. He said, a lover of good men. Sober. Just, holy, temperate. Why is temperance important as a bishop? <laughs> People get on your nerves. Well, that's part of temperance, <laughs> yeah. 
But you got to be temperate in all things. You can't be extreme in nothing. You have to be a balanced one in Christ. You can't be a leader that put, you know, you, you, you say, look, everybody in this church has to eat sprouts because I eat sprouts. That's, that's not temperate. That's not even intelligent. God says, I need somebody who is going to listen to me. And because those are my sheep that you're taking care of. Amen. He said, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able to, with sound, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. So when they come, you got to have somebody that can say, hey, man, well, this is thus saith the Lord. And don't do it in a violent way, in an aggressive way. Don't have a leader who is aggressively fighting something in this way. You know how we used to be? You know, well, I'm just going to tell you this. You go to hell if you do this, and you, and you don't, don't come at me with that. Where do you find that in the Word? Nowhere. So this is the kind of person that, you need, that needs to be a bishop and an elder, right? Now let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. How many minutes can y'all give us? <laughs> I knew it wasn't going to be resounding. Oh, take another hour. Uh, it won't be. Let's go to 1 Peter 5. Going to be temperate, I understand. We're going to be temperate. We're going to be temperate. Help us, Lord. 1 Peter chapter 5. Because he said, these people I need you to set up, these overseers I need you to set up. I know y'all hate that word, but that's what the Bible calls them. 1 Peter chapter 5. He said, these, the, the, this has to be their qualifications. And then he talks to these elders and he says, look, this is how I want you to operate. He said, 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 1 it says, the elders which are among you I exhort who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. The first instruction was what? Feed the flock of God. Who feeds the flock? The shepherd. The elders. Amen? We see this? Give the people the word. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Taking what? Oh, I know y'all hate that. Taking the oversight thereof. What does that mean? Not by constraint, right? He told you how to do this. But willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither what? As being what? Lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. He said, I need you to feed the flock. You're you responsible for them, and you have to do it in this manner. And when the chief shepherd, who is who? Christ. When he shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So there is an overseer of the church. Amen? I told you, it's going to be hard. It's been kind of, you know, kind of do it a feel, but not anymore. He said there's an overseer. And we have to understand that's why people leave churches. It's because sometimes the overseer loses his mind. Doesn't he? Amen. Have not you been in a church and the overseer looked like they have forgotten not to be lords? They have forgotten to, to feed. They have forgotten uh, 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 to be patient, to be temperate. You ever been in a church like that? Yeah. 
Now, does it, the only thing you can do is leave that church. You can't change the order. Saul was anointed. David taught us that it didn't matter that Saul had lost his mind. The position was filled by Saul. David respected the position. See, we got to realize there are positions that God has put in place. And we have to respect the position. And the church's, one of the church's biggest jobs is to pray for the position. And those who sit in these positions. Pray for them. Amen? Because you don't want to have to find another church. Because, of course, you only go to a church that tells the truth, right? Now, Timothy 3. We get through. Come on. The air just kicked in, didn't it? That might help you. First Timothy 3. Oh, it's going to be a minute. We're going to try to make this it. First Timothy chapter 3. Verse 1 says, this is a what saying? If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desire a good work. A bishop then must be what? Blameless. Here we go again. Why is this husband of one wife so important? His house is in order. And he didn't have five houses before he got in order. And he's a man. They're dealing with that this week in the Methodist church. A, a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, what else? Of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, nor striker, nor greedy of filthy lucre, but what? Patient, not a brawler, not covetous. You see, we're starting to get a picture of what this person has to be guilty of in order to be this position. And you don't go to school for it. You go to school to learn the word, don't you? You go to class to find out what God says. But this is a spiritual thing that God calls people to be. Everybody's not called to be this. Doesn't mean everybody's not holy. Amen? Doesn't mean everybody doesn't have a spot in the kingdom, but everybody's not called to do this. You ever had bad teachers before? Because they're in a job, but they're not good at what they do. Sometimes you run into people who are just gifted teachers because the spirit of teaching is in them. How about, anybody been to a hospital? You see some good nurses from time to time because the spirit of nursing, the spirit of compassion is in them. Then you got some nurses that, man, if I, I'm looking at my watch, who I wish you hadn't come in. I was going to leave in five minutes. Everybody's not called. Amen? Let God call you. Let's keep reading. Verse 4, one that ruleth his own house, ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with him with all what? Gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he what? Take care of the church. See, it's important to know that because your house is a church. You got little personalities in your house. And a church is a bunch of houses full of personalities. So if you can't deal with that, how are you going to deal with this? Amen? He said, verse 6, not a novice, least being lifted up with pride, he fall into the, what? 
condemnation of the devil. Why not a novice? You got to have time, man. God has to walk you through some things. You'd have to go through some experience because you'll, have, you'll be successful, and if you're, not, if you're a novice, what happens to you, you start being prideful. You think that's you. And you'll stand out there on, that, on, that, on the new church steps and do this, like Nebuchadnezzar. Isn't this this great church I've built? All the people are coming to me and saying, I'm wonderful. He said, yeah, yeah. You ever seen a church that has founder on it? Somebody's name? Nowadays, you see founder and CEO. And I said, man, we just told you what my church was founded on. Everybody ought to have, a good church ought to have founder, Jesus Christ. Amen? So he said, can't be a novice. You can be an old novice. You can be one inexperienced old person. Amen? I keep going. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. Now, who is without? These people. You got to have a good report in the church and knows where. You got to be a good person. You got to be a person that people say, well, you know, they're going to stand on truth. I might not enjoy what they say, but I know it's true. And they're not going to sell out for money. I'm not going to see them stumbling out of a bar. All these things are important, and people don't think they are, but they affect the mindset of the church. If you have a bishop or an elder who you might find rolling dice in a casino, what kind of confidence will you have? Brother Tony was sharing with me something today. He's well, on the way to church. He said that there was a man who said, my, my pastor cusses, so it must be okay. Do you know that's the mindset of most people in most churches? Yeah. But you know why? Because the pastor was supposed to be an example. And the office is an example. You can't change that. Isn't it important to have a good example in the office? Why? Because people will make statements like that. Well, my pastor cuss, I can cuss. Because he a man of God. Or, 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 you know, my pastor, I saw, man, I saw, I saw uh, Elder so-and-so, man, we was next, arm in arm, down at the crap table. So what happened? You just legitimized that activity. Because the seat is down in the casino. The seat is at the liquor store. The seat is, 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 is a glutton. The seat is not temperate. The seat is a womanizer. See, you're bringing the seat and bringing shame upon the word of God and the order of God. See, you're not going to change that. You're not going to change the order of God. So the seat must be as described here. Are we okay with that? What about you as a church member? What about you? What are they saying about your church based on your activity? Think about that. Isaiah, if you say, I go to church down here, and I, I didn't bought it, Remnant Seed Ministry. I know you probably say that too. But you're stealing out of the back door at Walmart. I'm not saying you are, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, uh, clarity, he's not. Okay. What are they going to say about your church? What is your witness? Think about this. See, it's not just the bishop, is it? It's not just the elder. It's the members of the body. 
Oh, we got to do better. Amen? Amen. That's why everybody got to get in order. Amen? Amen. He said uh, he must have a good report without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued. Deacons with double-tongues. What's that? Bunch of gossiping, saying one thing, one person saying another. Not given to much wine, nor greedy of filthy lucre. Because a deacon with greedy of filthy lucre who's handling the money is, oh, Lord, help us. Holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And let those also first be proved. That's so important. Remember he said, lay hands on no man suddenly. He said, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even as, even so must their wives be grave. Do you know that a wife can keep a man from holding a position in a church? That's why it's so important that the wives are on board. The women, if the women are not on board, the church will never be what it's supposed to be. Ever. And we've seen that over and over and over again. It's tantamount that the men would be men of God so the women will have a chance. Amen? Because women aren't stupid. Sorry, guys. Newsflash. They're very smart. They're very wise. And they look. And they're longing to make sure, man, you really in this, aren't you? Do you know a good wife will say, if you in this, I'm in this with you. But she's not going to say I'm in this with you when you're all over the place. Isn't that right, sisters? It's hard. Make the job easy for the sisters, brothers. Be real. Amen? Amen. He said, look, he said, the wives must be grave, not slanderous. So the wives, you, you, you can't do slanderous stuff. You can't be saying, I don't like elder so-and-so. What you think? And you can't, you know, get in the corners of the churches and, and tear down people. You can't do that. Sober, faithful of all things. Let the deacons be the husband of one wife again, ruling their children in their own house as well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase themselves a good degree and great boldness in faith, which is Christ Jesus. Amen? Now I've got to read chapter 2 of Titus and we'll be done. Because this speaks 2 of 2 of Titus. This talks about all of us in the church, that the aged men may be what? Grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. It sounds like the same thing that the bishop had to be. So if we have a whole church worth of people like this, we got something. Amen? Amen. The aged who? Women, likewise. So when he said likewise, they must be temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. They need to be grave and what? Sober. Amen? For what purpose? He said, to the aged women likewise, that they may be in behavior as becometh, what? Oh, if the women aren't holy in the church, you don't have, you got a mess. Are we okay with that? And, and let's keep reading. Not, uh, I'll say behavior becoming holiness, not false accusers. Not given to much wine. Teachers of what? Oh, for what purpose? that they may teach the young women to do the same thing. You got some old, bad women in a church where it has an order and a system. The young women are going to imitate the aged women. So if the aged women are slanderous, what are the young women going to be? 
Oh, but if the aged women are holy, what are the young women going to be? You see? Women to be sober, to love what? Their husbands. If the aged woman can't stand her husband, what is she going to teach the young women? Well, you don't have to listen to him because I don't listen to mine. Man, mine's a nut. Do you know those conversations happen? Even in this little bit of church. There's an order to love their children. How many mothers we have in here? Raise your hands. You all love your children, don't you? Love them beyond. I mean, if your children know you love them, you're doing a pretty good job. But don't you need to teach the young women to love their children? And you have to teach them with wisdom. You could have been an aged woman and messed your children up because you wasn't aware of what you were supposed to do. But now God has given you this knowledge from his word, and you can say, baby, this is how you do this. And young women, have your ears open to a holy aged woman. Amen? If you just start now, guess what? They can tell you something. Make sure they have what? Have the spirit of God in them. Don't listen to old fools. Amen? Both, both male and female. Find the holy. Find one who has given their life to God. And they can say, baby, let me tell you this. You really ought to feed the child this. I know the pamphlets say this. But God said this. And it will pay off. Oh, when the baby gets a fever, don't just run. The first thing you do is run to Walmart and get baby flu, whatever it is. Find someone who had a baby that had a fever and did it the way God asked him to do it. There's so many ways. I mean, I can't, I, I remember my whole house smelled like apple cider vinegar, sister. Uh, Jerry, the boys get a fever, give them a bath. Rub them down with that. Let that heat come off. Let that heat come off. And then, oh, what's wrong with them? Well, guess what? They're going to get a little baby in them a little suppository. And oh man, as soon as, they, and they always have a big blowout. And then they just laughing afterwards. Yeah, I'm feeling good now. You all been there? Teach the young women those things. Amen? Amen. All right. Y'all know, to read the rest of chapters, chapter, Titus chapter 2. Ah, oh, mercy. Well, we're going to stop here. Understand this. God has an order. God has appointed responsibilities. We have to get in order. We have to get in order at home. We've got to bring that order to church so it would be in order. And God has a method of running his house. We cannot buck against it any longer. Would it be, is it always comfortable for us? No. Will it make us angry sometimes? Yes. It'll make you, like we were saying this morning, it'll make you get on the internet and try to find another church. Because it, sometimes it will come against our very belief system. It will make us angry. But if we're following God, should we be okay? Can we trust him enough to be okay? We often say that in marriage counseling. And we talk to the people and say, do you trust God enough to know it's going to be okay if you do it his way? And they always say, Sister Mildred, they always say yes, as they just mad. But God says, this is the way. Walk therein. 
Trust him enough. Don't trust the man. Trust the God. Amen. David didn't trust Saul. He trusted God. Saul was trying to kill David, wasn't he? David had a, I, he had an opportunity to kill Saul. He had people around him saying, get him. But what did David do? He respected the order. He said, that's God's appointed. That's God's anointed. I'm not touching him. And he didn't, did he? Did it, did it pay off? Do you know when Saul died, David wept? The man who was trying to kill him, he wept. Why? Because that was God's anointed. And he went south, and he lost his soul. So let's be a little like David, okay? We all right? All right, we'll finish eventually as God gives us ability. Let's have a word of prayer.